I've been experiencing a lot of real play shows. I'm really big in Dimension 20 right now, Dungeons and Daddies. We did that episode, and actually I have to revisit the question I asked last time, because Job, Job and Denise, I spend a lot of time with them. They're OCs from this show I do think about. But yeah, I've been watching, you know, a lot of real play shows, those like real professional Dungeons and Dragons players, and it warms my heart. Nothing more than anything. And a watchback episode of Critical Role's actual like Amazon show, they asked Laura Bailey a question. And they're like, what's the first thing you want people to know about Vox? And Laura Bailey said that she's hot. She's just so hot. And it warmed my soul to know that everyone is so excited to tell you about how hot their Dungeons & Dragons player character is. Just warmed That's me in my soul. Right. And she, we're just so excited to tell you how hot they are. Every character I've played, I've never let charisma be a dump stat because I, I want them to be hot. I just I do. want them to be hot. What's the point if they're not hot? Um, I'm in the I'm in the process as we're recording of starting a new Pathfinder campaign. Actually, like partly because we did the Pathfinder episode and I got excited about it and started thinking about it, and now we're like, um, we've done session zero, we're doing session one. But um, yeah, I absolutely um, my character is a milf, and I am excited to do the voice that makes every uh care every single player at my table go fucking insane yeah i it's you know when a character is hot you know what i mean do you know what i mean Devin? do you know what i mean audience do you know what i mean when a character is hot you and know it particularly got me when it's laura bailey because like of all of the people on critical role laura bailey's the hottest so if even she was like i just i just want you to know vox is hot like yeah okay it is everyone, even hot people, and I feel good knowing that. Wow, hot people are just like us, huh? <laughs> we found another shirt. Hot people are just like us, huh? <laughs> we sure did. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Um, this podcast is called Hot People, um, who are better than you and not like you. This whole opening was a subversion. Hot girls have real problems, too. We're just like <laughs> you, except that we're except hot. Except we're hot. We also have skinny-waisted high fashion riding in the G-Wagon. Literally my life is. Literally my life. I don't recognize that song, but it does give me an excuse to talk about high-waisted fashion and therefore Zoomer fashion generally and how I feel about it, which could be what we're doing today, but it's not. Instead, we're doing a podcast called Original Podcast Do Not Steal, a weekly podcast in which uh, every week Devin and I take a some kind of a franchise or intellectual property, and then we make a character in that franchise or intellectual property. Um, uh, and on the way, we tell a bunch of jokes about how hot people are people too. Well, before I get ahead of myself, I'm kidding, you've already read the title, you know it's Calvin and Hobbes, but before we get to that, um, we have to do a little a little parasocial bonding question to convince you that we're real people, um, even though we're hot. Real hot people. <laughs> we may be hot, but, we're, but we also are just like the rest of you. So uh, here's my question for you, Devin. When you were growing up, did you have a favorite toy, and what was it? Huh, a favorite toy growing up. Nothing is immediately... I Like, I'm gonna remember something after recording, but when you say that, the first thing that comes to mind is I had several throw-away-your-toy ceremonies as a child, and I hated every single one of them. And the one I remember from the last throw-away-your-toys ceremony thing 
was I had a little the crow that hangs out with Maleficent, just a shitty little like McDonald's toy. And I remember that toy specifically. But I don't know if I had like a specific like this is my toy. I had a lot of action figures. I remember, oh, man, some of the best childhood memories were hanging out with my neighbors and getting all your toys together and just having a big, giant, stupid toy war. God, that was so fun. Oh, what a high. But yeah, other than just like, I don't know, a Power Rangers sword that did like noises. Okay, whoa, wait, no, no, no. Okay, two, <laughs> tall, two small tangents. One is there was a bring a hundred of X thing to school day, which was hard for me because I couldn't count for shit, but I brought a hundred little Digimon, Pokemon, and Monster Rancher toys, and I remember that forever. Yeah. And That's fucking right you did. Two toys I remember in specific was I had, like, the ones I took places was I had an Aladar toy from Disney's Dinosaurs. I think it came out in 2006, where you had him, and then you could, like, zip him in the back and fold him inside himself, and he turned into an egg. And so it was either an egg or a dinosaur. And from Dragon Tales, I had Cassie because Cassie was my favorite one. And I had that Cassie doll. And the only person who ever said anything about it was my mom's boyfriend at the time. And I remember my mom defended me because she was like, what, was I going to buy him an org toy? Org's the stupid one. But yeah, what about you, man? What? I love I love the story about um, the, the, the wars. That's great. Um, we love wars around here. This is a pro-war podcast. We love war. We're American. We love Raytheon. Um... <laughs> I had several toys that I remember. You know, we all have fond memories of the Pokemon cards we grew up with. Um, uh, I actually still have a lot of childhood toys in a in a drawer in my bedroom, like old lightsabers that are all broken down and stuff. I am probably going to go with the lightsabers. When I was a kid, when I was like, like 11, um, my dad gave me this little camcorder to fuck around with. And I made a lot of little home movies. It will not surprise you to learn. The majority of which were Star Wars fan films. It will also not surprise you to learn. And yeah, I did a lot of like, I did a lot of like with the neighbor kids, little choreographed lightsaber fights um, uh, that we, that we turned the speed up on in post in order to make them look cooler. Yeah, so I, I I guess that that was that was one of my favorite forms of play as a kid was was making little movies, almost always little comedy jokes. Man, that ties in wonderfully to today's subject. Hey, yeah, it sure does. Wow, it's almost like I planned this situation or something. So today we are talking about Calvin and Hobbes. You already know what Calvin and Hobbes is, dear reader. You already love Calvin and Hobbes. You already have a personal and abiding relationship with Calvin and Hobbes. But just so that we've done the ritual of going over it, as we always do, um, Calvin and Hobbes was a, uh, a, a cartoon comic strip by Bill Watterson uh, about a little boy named Calvin and his, his tiger named Hobbes, who was, you know like clearly an imaginary version of a of a stuffed animal come to life and uh it's obviously the best comic strip that's ever been written um and i don't know anybody who will argue with that take like like all of the people i know who are doing like amazing groundbreaking work in comics today like every single one of them will be like yeah of course calvin and hobbes is like a seminal inspiration like it totally changed the game for everyone it's like a really simple premise in a lot of ways um you have calvin and Calvin is kind of a shithead, just an absolute fucking heel, um, uh, causes all kinds of problems for everyone and his parents, and he's a lonely only child, and so he invents this little tiger to hang out with, 
um, and like this like cast of characters who exhibits around him, the bully at school, the teacher, etc. A, a large number of like storylines that would come back over and over, you know, like there would be like Calvin's babysitter who is basically a nice girl, but who Calvin fucking hates and they go to war with each other. And that makes Calvin hate her even more, even though he was fucking started it. A huge amount of the storytelling is sort of magical thinking sort of way of, of expressing it. Like, right. Like this is a world as seen through the eyes of a child. The secondary character is literally an imaginary character. Um, and so, so much of the strip is about like visualizing the fantastical and absurd things that are going on in Calvin's head. There's like this recurring gag where Calvin's lunch is like a little, like gross little unidentifiable pile of slop that will like come to life and start like singing or whatever, doing, you know, a soliloquy from Macbeth. Um, uh, and Calvin doesn't want to eat it because it's clearly alive. And it's, it's just like, the, the the world through the eyes of a child in a way that was so fucking captivating as a kid um uh because it like when you're a kid there's this layer of fantastical that exists on top of the world and all of those elements just like feel natural in the world in a way that is is really special about the comic strip i have a lot more to say but i realize that i've been talking for like a hundred years and i usually when it's going to be a me talky episode i like to let you talk a little bit first do you want to talk a little bit about calvin and hobbs yeah sure it's i'm very far removed from calvin and hobbs it was a strip that i read when I could not read, so mostly it was my mom read me once and I'd look at pictures in my free time. Oh, that's so fucking cute. So, I don't know how much I'm going to have to say, but I think I'm going to make a very strange comparison. But Calvin and Hobbes is a lot like Pink Floyd's The Wall, where it is so earnest and imaginative and based on visual and emotional language that just experiencing it and what sticks out in your brain is in some ways a self-report, right? And so there's going to come a point in this podcast where it is just us going back and forth with, like, the things we remember, and I look forward to that part. But, yeah, it's just, I, I like, <laughs> what do you say about Calvin and Hobbes that hasn't been said? The unbridled power of imagination as viewed through the, the doughy, wide-eyed innocence of a child. It's a great time with great bits, Everyone has their own five favorite and they won't be the same because what sticks out to you won't be what sticks out to me. It's great. I really wish that guy was more of a sellout than he was. I wouldn't oh my like God. I know. Right. <laughs> like, how dare you have artistic integrity? I want my Calvin and Hobbes. Pl Why is it only Bill Calvin Watterson will do everything things? in his power not to monetize his friendship with Calvin? <laughs> I want more than Calvin pissing on things, man. A movie would be great, but I really just want the plush. Come on, dude. But yeah, I think that's like comfortably where I sit. I, you didn't talk about Susie, and most of what I remember has to do with Susie. I love Susie. Mrs. Henderson, if you're listening, hello. Um, I love you. That's interesting that most of what you remember is about Susie. Did you like the Susie strips, or you just, like, remembered them really clearly? Every snowball bit is great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the summer snowball where he just misses, and he's too busy complaining to notice that Susie's remaking snowball. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I fucking love it. I remember that strip. That's a classic. They're all classics. It's amazing how much of this strip I remember. Um, uh, I am. 
I am che cheating on the uh, on the saying what bits we remember ones because I do have both there's treasure everywhere and homicidal psycho jungle cat sitting here um, in my in my hands. Um, so I am I am looking at strips even as we talk to each other right now. Okay, then I'm just gonna go through some ones that stick out to me. Like I said, every everyone with Susie. One of my favorite of the Calvin doesn't want to take a bath is they're looking for him and he's already in the bath and he just goes, it's the last place they'd expect. <laughs> or, or, the one, or the one where he just takes a bath and he says, they can make me do it, but they can't make me do it with dignity. <laughs> one that sticks out in my mind for being earnestly emotional is when, when Hobbes goes missing and Calvin's parents are looking for him. And one of them yells out for Hobbes, and the other parent's like, "You know, he's not real, right? Like he's, he can't hear you. He's a stuffed animal." That's really good, though. It's so fucking like okay. I've just like randomly opened to a random page here, and it's like a strip of Calvin staring up at the night sky for a panel, and then a panel where he yells, "I'm significant," and then another panel of him staring up into the stars, and then the last panel is just him saying, "Screamed the dust speck." Like, what a just, like, tiny, like, relatively jokeless meditation on, like, being in a world that's too big for you. Here's one of Calvin and Hobbes waking up and looking out at the rain and eating breakfast while reading the comics together and then going out to wait for the bus together and then Calvin getting on the bus and saying goodbye to Hobbes and then Calvin's mom looking out into the rain and running outside to grab Hobbes who's just like left in the rain and she's going to grab him and Calvin is looking at the clock waiting for time to pass and Hobbes is staring out the rainy window waiting for Calvin to get home. That's the whole strip. It's just like there's so fucking much here. The dead bird strip. Everybody remembers the dead bird strip. Here's the one that I remember that's not in either of these books that really sticks out to me. I think it's like it's like one of the early strips. Like it's like the fucking fifth strip of all time or something like that. Calvin asks Hobbes if there's if you could have anything in the entire world, um, if you could wish for anything, what would it be? Um, and Hobbes was like, I think I would like a nice sandwich. Um, and Calvin's like, are you fucking kidding me? You fool, you rube, you could have anything in the entire world. I'm giving you limitless power. You would have a sandwich. And then the like last panel um, is Hobbes eating a sandwich um, with Calvin fuming next to him. And Hobbes is like, well, I got my wish. And I think about that all the fucking time. Um, I just like, truly, there's something just so serene with the universe in that strip. And it's all so funny. God damn it. This is just... Okay, um, Calvin and Hobbes, good strip, um, we've established. <laughs> so there's, there's a couple of ways that we could go with making a Calvin and Hobbes OC a new schoolmate or, you know, like, another person who one could imagine being in the life of a child. Um, or you can do the, like, really, truly fanfic-y thing, time shift, time forward a little bit and imagining a person in Calvin's future after he's no longer quite in the stage that he's in during the strip um are any of those especially exciting to you i was gonna say we do one where it's you and i show up in a calvin and Hobbes strip and what does that look like but i think jesus <laughs> someone i i think like a like a new schoolmate somewhere in that era someone who comes up in calvin's life that interests me more than like a persona for calvin yeah i like that i think that that's probably the one i'm most excited about too so here's some ideas um uh, new schoolmate is one we already said. We could go more out there because it's Calvin and Hobbes. And you get to do these like wild, visual, imaginative things. So you could have 
a character in one of the shows that Calvin watches on Saturday mornings who, like, in Calvin's mind becomes a figure who talks to him. Um, and we get to, like, anthropomorphize that. Or, you know, um, uh, you make a character who is the scary monster that is, uh, you know, just like a geographical feature. You know, that hill that looks scary or whatever that Calvin often passes. Or, I don't know, some other thing. Wh- those, those are a couple of thoughts I had. I definitely like the idea of meeting some Calvin cousins. Calvin cousin? I love that cousin for calvin so someone someone probably around calvin's age or maybe like a little bit on one or the other side of him so i don't know if i want to like follow this idea through but the first idea was like you meet calvin's cousin and it is same age and they have like their own hobs it's like i don't know a chicken and they have adventures (laughs) and either it's either that calvin and calvin cousin let's call them Sarah, don't get along, but the tiger and the chicken get along, and it's funny because they're supposed to, because like, because cousins are supposed to get along, but these two don't, and a predator prey animals aren't supposed to get along, but they do. I don't know if you want to go down that route, but that's the first place my brain like this is what I'd do. Yeah, I'm. It's kind of weird making a making a, a character for Calvin to interact with because Calvin's interactions with everyone in the world are so like so consistent. Like Calvin is a shithead to everyone he interacts with, basically except for Hobbes. He's shitty to his parents. He's shitty to the teacher. He's shitty to the babysitter. He's shitty to Susie. Um, he's shitty to the bully. And, like, the ways that those shittinesses express themselves are different based on the power dynamics, right? Like, Calvin makes life really difficult for his parents, but he also, like, has to capitulate to them. And there's, like, a rapport there because they can fuck with him back. Um, uh, Mo has, like, absolute power over Calvin. Calvin is going to get punched anytime Mo enters the scene. Um, but Calvin is smarter than Mo, and so he has to play around in that way. Calvin has an antagonistic relationship with Susie, who, like, kind of thinks he's gross and stupid deservedly. Doesn't have as much of, like, a responsibility to be nice back to him, you know? And so I wonder, like, just, I'm just thinking out loud, but I think maybe a way to, like, make that interesting if you have a Calvin cousin my like my first thought is like how do we make it different than every other interaction and i and and so my first instinct is like maybe this is a person who like calvin has some power over like calvin has the upper hand in that situation but then upon thinking that thought my immediate second thought is maybe then calvin's like good-natured mischief wouldn't feel funny anymore like maybe it works in the strip because calvin is a child and the other people are not and he's like the smallest child and he's shit upon by the world and so he can get away with sort of being a brat about it yeah it's tom and jerry tom gets to be mean to jerry because jerry's a cat and the mouse is not the powerful one if jerry won it's not funny right (laughs) So we do need the other kid to have some kind of of stand over Calvin. I was going to say, 
what if they're equals? What if they're equally as shitty and it's just a stalemate? It's just oh a my god, a stalemate, and neither of them can win. You're a fucking genius. So the recurring bit is like I don't know, like they like you get put them in a water balloon war, right? And they both like have perfectly out schemed each other. So you end up with like neither of them getting wet until both of them do at the same time in the same volume, right? Like that sort of a situ that sort of a story. Yeah, they just Rube Goldberg machine each other and are like, Yes, my ma oh, come on. <laughs> Damn it. What? Forget <laughs> like I was trying to like work out the comic with just like a visual comic with just my noises and it didn't work. <laughs> like that's what that was everyone i'm sorry thank you for thank you for confiding in this on air thanks for letting us all know i was gonna say mine was like you see calvin making like don't make that face i'll get stuck like that sarah making an equally gross face but an opposite and the the wall behind them the panel is just filled with like random assortments of gross words to form a child insult and it does that those are the first two panels second third panel is both of them like making the face and then the fourth panel is Hobbs and the chicken just like sipping tea going like so uh, so how are things at your house I hear I hear the parents are getting along there it's like oh yeah no 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 we just like we renovated we have a pool now I get I get to hang out in like the summer pool it's really cool and Hobbs like oh that's nice it's really good yeah good shit I'm trying to just like visually imagine like a chicken in the way that we can picture Hobbes and a chicken is like like being a bird instead of a mammal a little bit trickier to anthropomorphize but not like impossible the animal that we choose potentially says a lot right like the fact that Hobbes is a tiger lets him be playful but also lets him be like the calm counterpart to to Calvin you get to do all the like cat stuff uh, but he also gets to be like bigger than Calvin. Yeah, we got we would we would have to figure out what you know uh, other Hobbes deal is. Okay, so then let's let's spend some time with Sarah. What's this kid like? What's she do? Is she just shitty when she's at home, or is she shitty when she's around Calvin? Because she knows she can be shitty. Calvin is a chaotic neutral, and she's the lawful neutral counterpart, right? Like, they scheme against each other all the time, and Calvin does it by just, like, free associative berserk chaos, and and she does it through, like, planning and strategy and organization. Like, she would be the person to try to codify Calvin Ball. Yeah, when the immovable force meets the unstoppable object, what happens? The force passes through the, through the, passes through the object. Uh, no, because the juggernaut runs into the blob, and they both just don't move. Fucking idiot, learn science. <laughs> Read a book. But I do think that she is evil and insufferable. Like, as in, I mean, in the same way that Calvin is. Like, Calvin's not evil, but he is, like, super causes problems they're, they're for kids. everyone. <laughs> Little shit kids. Yeah, and I, I, I absolutely think that she also is a huge problem for all the adults around us around her and is super annoying to deal with but in like a very different way than calvin is what is a good counterbalance for lawful evil chaotic you know the things I'm trying i know to the say. thing you're trying to say i want to say mouse for some reason i kind of like that 
Here's my question that I think will help me have a better take on the animal companion to Sarah. Is it a counterbalance in the sense that it's like the animal would lean a little more towards Calvin to sort of balance Sarah out, or is it a complementary flavor? You know what I'm saying? It's a complementary flavor. I think in the way that like Hobbes is a mellowing force who is the only one to like really truly listen to Calvin and take him seriously and like acts as the voice of wisdom. You need our mouse counterpart to be like the only one who can, who can understand all of her systems like sometimes before she does um, and somehow turn that into like, like a source of wisdom. Cause Hobbes is such a source of wisdom for Calvin let me throw this idea at you. Please. I'm going to go with two smart animals. A pig. I just think it'd be cute. But an octopus, because Sarah's a schemer. A big the brain type schemer. And octopuses have many tendrils that can go through places. And they are a quite intelligent animal. They can problem solve and recognize people. They have a high level of intelligence. I think I love octopus. Like, not only just because octopuses are very smart... Um, but I also think that you could make an octopus stuffed animal figure very cute. And I also think it's like really interesting and says a lot about this girl that she has an octopus stuffed animal that she's really attached to. This is, (laughs) this is fucking stupid. God damn it. This is so fun. It's not going to be funny when I say it. What if the octopus's name is Pentagon? Why? Because like, you know, that's where the fucking like where the FBI is and shit and they're a bunch of big fucking schemers <laughs> so like, like the shadow government cause Sarah's like evil and <laughs> Devin this is a podcast that's built around yes anding each other and saying yes and to each other's ideas um but that idea was fucking stupid and you should feel bad about it <laughs> finally this is what it feels like when I DM I don't yes and I know but and then I tell you your idea is stupid <laughs> My first instinct is to say Shay for some reason. I don't have a reason for that at all. S-H-A-E, Shay. So Shay and Sarah? Oh, you're right. Those are both S names, aren't they? <laughs> Damn it. It's not going to be funny again. I was just—I was going to say Copernicus or Caesar. I think it'd be really funny if she named her pet octopus after like, <laughs> like a fucking Roman leader. I really like Copernicus. Can we change Sarah's name to be one syllable? All right. Do you got the one syllable name? Shay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did it. All right. Shay and Copernicus. In Copernicus's just stuffed animal form, it's just an adorable octopus. When it is the Hobbes form, does, does, does Copernicus have, like, the reef around a big dumb octopus head? Like... I think that's a little bit too literal of a reference. Like, she can just be named Copernicus. I feel like I feel like Sarah would like it. Like, like Sarah, when gets older, is gonna take those fucking Latin classes and learn about Roman history and be like, "Yeah, conquered half of the world." And then other people are gonna be like, "No, motherfucker, the world is so much bigger than the West." And Sarah's gonna be like, "Nuh-uh, shut up." And I wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. But I think as of uh, as of where we start out, Copernicus will be uh, wreathless.
Except possibly as like a reference in an offhand strip or something. There's a strip. <laughs> There's a strip where Shay just stabs Copernicus a bunch, and then the last one is like, nah, yeah, that was a great scene. You did it. Wonderful. A, a favorite, one of my favorite plays. And Shay's just like me. I think this Shakespeare guy's a fucking hack. Just say English. <laughs> okay, so we've got a. We've got a vibe. I think I want to spend like a little more time in vibe. Yeah, like, yeah, with... yeah. I'm thinking about. So I'm thinking about like the, like I used to work with kids, right? Um, uh, I spent like mm-hmm. um, eight months full time at a childcare center, and then there were like several years when I was a counselor at a summer camp. Um, uh, so I have spent I've spent some time with kids, and I and I and I help kids regularly at the library too. Anyway, um, I had like a lot of kids who liked to dream up organizations for themselves and like rules. Like, like they would come up with like clubs, like it wasn't a club to do anything. They just wanted to like impose a structure on a set of people. And so I think um, that that would be the kind of play that Shay would do a lot of. And I could imagine a conflict of like Shay being like, Hey, Calvin, we're in a a, 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 a a crime syndicate or what have you, and I'm at the top and you are at the bottom. And she just, like, hands him this, like, list that's an org chart. Um, and Calvin, of course, being Calvin, absolutely thinks it's bullshit that he's at the bottom, but doesn't question, like, the rules of the world that have been set up. Like, like Shay has established that they're in a crime syndicate. That's real. Calvin's in a crime syndicate, but he's at the bottom. This is bullshit. He has to he has to do a coup, and that's like the world that we end up playing around in. Shay's just like Calvin. You're my intern. Go get me a coke, and and then and then you see Hobbs is like the the. It's like middle management. And Calvin's like, how'd you get here? And Hobbs is like, well, I paid attention at the company forum. I don't know about you. Like, <laughs> That's exactly a joke that would happen in that strip. That's such a good Calvin and Hobbs joke. Yeah, I th- thank you for that because you spend time around children and I do not. So you can you can really bring the truth here to this episode. Thank You're you for so expertise. welcome. I think that that immediately as soon as I've done that, a good role that I want a good role that I immediately want Copernicus to fill is like the assistant who is hyper competent and also like secretly way more like emotionally and spiritually intelligent than they let on. Like I'm thinking like, like Judah from Bojack Horseman who like is an assistant character and is insanely good at it. And also like occasionally will say something like very wise and very patient because you know she's putting up with Shay and she really wants Shay to succeed and she's totally willing to play the assistant in all of these roles that Shay wants her in because she's her stuffed animal and also she like sort of knows more about what's going on here than Shay does you know hey what was Misa Misa's Shinigami Ren I think was it just Ren a Ren to Misa. There exactly. we go. It was either that or an Alfred exactly. to Batman. I love both of those comparisons. What are you thinking for outfit? I'm definitely thinking glasses, because if you have glasses, you're mm-hmm, a conniving mm-hmm, schemer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just been picturing glasses and a ponytail. Glasses kid. and a ponytail is good. I'm thinking, so Calvin has like 
like vertical striped shirt, right? Which is both iconic and also like parallels Hobbs a little bit. And so I'm thinking we do like polka dots um, because it's a little bit like evocative of octopus suckers and it's also like instantly recognizable. Yeah. Like the spot. Everyone's favorite Everyone's Spider-Man favorite villain. Spider-Man. The spot is actually really cool. Spot fucking rules. I can't wait for him to show up in yeah, the right? Spider-Verse. Throw spots, reach into a spot. Are you kidding me? What a cool power set. We foreshadowed in the last episode that I know things about Marvel sometimes. Um, I mean, it, like, it, it feels like we shouldn't be done yet. Like, it feels like we should have a little work to do, but I actually feel like pretty, like, like, I'm, like I feel pretty clear about who these characters are pretty quickly. I just, like, there's that thing that'll really make it sing, but this is a really clear draft, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Do you think Sarah interacts with anyone who isn't Calvin and Hobbes? I think she does, but it is still Calvin and Hobbes' story, so we may not get to see it all that often. Like, we could have another character who just shows up through through Shay referencing them, right? I was gonna say, Shay and Susie have a team-up where Shay gives Susie a bottle of Calvin repellent, and she sprays it on Calvin, and she's like, "Man, this is like this worked. What is this?" And she goes, "Oh, it's just soap and water." <laughs> Get his ass. That's funny. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's my question, I, and I think this is the thing. Is because like we, we we talked about this. Calvin and Hobbes, very funny, but then very earnest and big emotion. What do you think is like the one where it's not just a joke? It is this big existential feeling. Oh, you're so right. You're, you continue to be a genius. My instinct is that the way that we get these two to, like, feel something real is, like, both of these are kids who are trying to impose some structure in a world that's way too big for them, right? Like, Calvin is doing it by trying to rebel against um, the authority figures in his life by trying to make his own rules, and Shay is doing it by trying to invent systems um, and then place herself at the top of them. Ultimately, these are two characters who we can come to understand are sort of allies in this fight, who like both are fighting against each other um, when what they really want is control over like the whole fucking universe, and they are allies in that fight. And I think that the, the place that that emotion comes together into something more meaningful is in the occasional strip when they come to a ceasefire. Calvin has his whole, like, no girls allowed thing, but, like, maybe, like, this is a girl who, he, like, he really has some respect for. Like, maybe we, like, really do come to understand, like, like whatever Shay has to leave, Calvin is, like, sad about it in, like, a really genuine and sincere way. Like, he asks about her when she's not around because when she's there and challenging him he has like another person who he's equals with that's not just Hobbes and he doesn't get to decide when he gets to see her it's just whenever the cousins are whenever the aunts and uncles are over you know they show up and immediately they're in they're in war mode and then they have to say goodbye like, maybe you have, like, a strip, like, right afterwards when she leaves, when Calvin, like, tries to recreate one of the games that he played with her just by himself, and it 
just kind of doesn't work because he needs the other person there for it. That's good. I like that. I think Thank you Thank you. I went to film school. Um. <laughs> so, okay, we did vibe. We did look. We got relationship to Calvin. I think we're a I fun agree. fact apiece. I think we're, we I think we're a fun fact apiece. I would say, before we get there, I'd like to come up with maybe like one or two just strips with this. I think that would be a fun thing to do for this episode. I would love that. I love, I love these two. I genuinely, I think Shay and Copernicus are really high note characters. I think they're going to stay with me. Do you remember the one where it's like Calvin as like Zeus and Kronos creating the universe and there's all this like <laughs> grand operatic flavor text? Do you remember that panel? I don't think I do. That's one I remember. I think you do that, but also Shay and Copernicus are there, and it's about, like, two titans clashing in the distance, and then it cuts to them just, like, fucking chucking water balloons at each other. Like, don't don't cross that line. <laughs> That's the boundary, Calvin. You can't cross it. I think that there's a strip where um Calvin tries to get Shay to play Calvin Ball because, like, he knows that she's not going to be good at it. And then... Not only does she, like, pull out some rules that Calvin um, wasn't expecting, like, not only does she, like, manage to get a bunch of, like, wins over him, um, uh, like, so that they're really evenly matched, but also when he goes, like, what? I didn't, like, think you would be any good at this. Or, you know, he says it in a more Calvin-y way than that. Um, she pulls out, she has a written down set of rules that she, like, came in with. She goes, sorry, it says right here that these are the rules. You said the rules are that it's different every time. This is different than last time. Here's the, here's the Calvin Ball rule book. Um, and you get a little series of strips where they play Calvin Ball, but, like, with a rule book, and Calvin just doesn't know what the rules are. Oh, she rules lawyers her way into beating Calvin in his own game. It's perfect. <laughs> I don't think I have, like, the full layout comic, how it would work, but I I think there's a bit where, like, they're playing the game with each other, and they both, like, mutually damage Copernicus and Hobbes, and it's they're, they're very like, okay, t- nope, fuck, break, <laughs> break, time out, gotta, gotta fix this, we did a, we did a cross a line thing. And yeah, um, unless you have another one, I think I'm at the, I'm ready for one fun fact. I kind of want to come up with a cardboard box strip for them. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot I did have one. Um, What's the, the Calvin Spaceman? Uh, Spaceman Spiff. There's a Spaceman Spiff, and then the joke at the end is <laughs> Shay comes up and she's like, you haven't paid your space taxes on <laughs> repossessing your spaceship. And Calvin's like, what? <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> and then Hobbs is just like, the IRS do be hurting people. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> she, like, names some tax code that is clearly made up. <laughs> okay, here's my fun fact. Um, I think, like, so the, the original context for Hobbes is that Calvin just kind of finds him in the world. He doesn't have, like, much more of an order. Like, he sets a tiger trap and then a tiger falls into it. Um, uh, so presumably Calvin just like finds this stuffed tiger. Um, I think that Copernicus, I want to be a hand-me-down and we like come to understand, um, through little bits and pieces that Copernicus has like been in the family for at least one other generation. 
That's good. I like that. Okay, here's my fun fact. And we're going to flash back to when you said do the fan fiction. A little bit older, Calvin. So, a little bit older, Shade and Calvin. I think, obviously, Calvin has a tiger tattoo and Shay has an octopus tattoo. But they have reconnected and are both pretty <laughs> left-leaning. And Calvin is mostly an anarchist oh and God. wants to burn things down. Because fuck the power systems, man. But Shay... <laughs> Yeah, Shay is very good at organizing, like the actual organizing part of leftism, and that's how, and that's they finally understood each other now that they're adults and they've gone to truly college. writing fanfic on our fanfic on that one. We did it, everyone. Well, I really love this one. I like this is more than any other character we've ever written. I like want to get fan art of Shay and Copernicus, quoting the Calvin Ball rulebook to Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> Uh, someone who listens to us, you can draw. It's me, isn't it? It's just me. <laughs> uh, wow. I yeah, no, I love them. Um, thank you for joining us, everybody, for this week's um, uh, very very high minded philosophical episode of Original Podcast. Do not steal the weekly podcast on which we take a franchise and we make an original character in the franchise. Um, um, I have been Amber Autumn. She, her. And I've been Prince Devin, he, him. Our theme music is by Kyle Alicia, whose work you can find at therealragnarok.bandcamp.com. Um, uh, join us next week when Devin tries his level best to get us to talk about professional wrestling. Um, but instead, uh, shit, we forgot to, we always fucking forget to come up with what we're so, doing next. When chronologically, we... what we'll be recording will be a Halloween specta- spooktacular, but I think what you'll hear, because the Halloween stuff's gonna skip the queue line, is we're gonna do an episode on Hades. Okay, maybe, um, I should play Hades at some point in the next month of Halloween episode recording then. <laughs> it's so fun! Oh, it's my favorite roguelike. We'll get to it when we get to it. I have things to say. Speaking of things to say, I'm contractually obligated to remind you that the goal of the podcast is not to connect with my friend Amber, it's not to talk about media, it's not to make characters, it's to monetize this friendship, baby, it's to do ad (laughs) reads and make money. (laughs) This this podcast is about hustle culture, um, at the end of the day. Somebody, somebody make a, somebody make a Shea and Copernicus NFT. (laughs) No, no. <laughs> of all the things I'd want out of Calvin and Hobbes, the last one would be a fucking NFT. No, stop it. I want you to sell out, but not like this. <laughs> not like this. <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes weren't meant to sell out. <laughs> like this. Bye. Oh, uh, shitty Calvin and Hobbes movie starring, I don't know, fucking Fred from YouTube. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I'm I'm stopping recording. I'm I'm That's fine. terrible. I'm done. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>